controversy as identity politics strikes again. Scottish Liberty Podcast, episode 63, Good Jews versus Bad Jews. <laughs> orange juice. <laughs> orange juice. Actually, I went on holiday in Greece once and they had orange juice written on the menu in those exact words. So, this is Tom Laird. Hi. I'm Anthony Samaroff. And welcome to the show. And welcome to the show. There has been a rise of identity politics. I think everyone's aware. Yeah. I think there's been a rise of Jew hatred, but I don't know because it's there's a lot of trolling, so you, so you don't really know. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's any more than th there ever was. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's definitely, I think we're in a situation where because of social media and everything's instantaneous, you're more aware of it, probably. Um, it can't be any worse than it was in the 1930s. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Right. So it's interesting for me because growing up uh, from a Jewish background, um, even though I'm a heathen, an unbeliever, the... Yeah, you, you say that. You, you were always hearing, at least in the Jewish community amongst adults, oh, there's a rise of anti-Semitism. I don't know how many times there can be a rise of anti-Semitism. It was a constant talking point. Yeah. And it, there would always be an article in the Jewish paper uh, about, about the new proof. And they were always looking for reasons why there was a rise of anti-Semitism. Well, I guess well, first of the all, older the older they were, the more of a reason they had to to fear that. Okay, I I don't I, I find the term anti-Semitism a bit uh, a bit weird because like you can be a, you can hate Arabs and be an anti-Semite. Okay, because Arabs are a Semitic people as well. Well, by definition, they are, but we know that commonly used. The phrase just means to oh, just good old fashioned Jew, Jew hating. Yeah. Jew hatred. Okay. Yeah. Well, they called it anti-Semitic. Now, I didn't like it because, as it looked to me, there's a thing. There was a thing in Jewish culture which is it was always looking for reasons to be a victim. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there wasn't some historical precedent for that, but um, certainly in my generation, I didn't experience. A great deal of discrimination. Uh, a couple of times someone spoke unpleasantly, but they were just being a dick. So I didn't like the, the victim mentality thing. Then you hear things like, well, Jews are the most successful ethnic group in America, so that's not really a sign of persecution. And um, that uh, Jews are the least persecuted people in the world, which I don't know uh, at the moment, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I certainly know that there are persecutions of Christians in the Islamic world and other places, and there are per persecutions of Muslims. Also, and now you hear this, say from the alt-right, this thing that Jews are disproportionately successful as an ethnic group, when actually if you control for IQ, hmm. Jews are about as successful as people with the same average IQ as they are. IQ is an indicator of intelligence, which is an indicator of success. Okay. And and uh, according to Jordan Peterson, your hero, yeah, the two biggest oh, predictors of success in the West are intelligence and conscientiousness as traits. Okay. Uh, I don't think you get very far if you're intelligent, but not conscientious though. 
we all know lots of very smart people who yeah. are who are underperforming. Sure. So I guess we should get down to why I wanted to talk about this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I was only going to say when you mentioned the alt right and they, they say that you know there's a disproportion. Why would that be a problem in the first place? I mean, what 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 are they getting at when they say that there's a disproportionate amount of Jews successful? Well, anything. Are they, are they are they getting into conspiracy theory territory there? Yeah, I mean, the 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 most benign face you can put on it is they're saying that Jews are nepotistic and aren't properly integrated into uh, Western culture, and that they're. Because they're not properly integrated, they, they provide a threat to to whites or, or or the Western way of life, especially with all their Marxism, which we'll we'll come back to. Yeah. We'll circle okay. back to the Marxist thing. So tell us, uh, Anthony, why did you want to do this? Well, I never, as as I might have indicated from my reservations about Jewish culture, and I don't d didn't dislike everything about Jewish culture. I love the sense of humor, a lot of the art and. Lots of good stuff. Bagels. The, uh, bagels. The food. The food. The okay. food is great. Some of the food is great. Um, they've got vegetarian offers like tabbouleh and uh, hummus. So, but I didn't like the victim thing. The victim mentality. I felt like everyone was always looking for a reason for being persecuted, and there was a lot of uh, hatred of uh, Arabs and other groups masquerading. As uh, I don't know, there there was a lot of there, there was a lot of racism actually. Okay. Um, I I would say uh, amongst some people of the older generation, which which hid behind uh, a non-racist veneer. Okay. Um, against immigrants and uh, against Arabs, but they wouldn't say they would say, "Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not racist," uh, which doesn't really prove I'm not anything. Racist, but but. So I know I never really saw being Jewish as a very big part of my identity because I always thought the things that I chose myself were more important to me, whether it's my philosophy or ethics, mm. taste in music, taste in culture, uh, dress sense, anything I chose that was important. I didn't like. Which is very bad, as you can see. As you can see. <laughs> I didn't like nationalism. I didn't like in-group preference. I was pretty lefty on those issues. Right. Uh, even. I don't think that you knew that I was Jewish for quite a number of months. Yeah, uh, after yeah, we were yeah. acquainted, I should have tumbled him in the name. This, the, you know, yeah. The name Sarah. Yeah. So it was never an issue to me, but the rise of identity politics on YouTube mm. and in YouTube comments and things like that has made me want to go. Well, fuck it, I'm a Jew. Right, and that's okay. that. And since then, people have heard me say it more often yep. than I used to on the podcast and things like that. You know, I'll joke about uh, Lou Rockwell asking you from one Jew to another. Whereas, you know, years ago, I never would have even done that. Mm. You know, I, I didn't see a need to do it. I didn't see a reason to do it. Mm. But it's kind of like, you know, once uh, I was on a guy's show, his YouTube channel is Kips Clips. He's also been on this show. Yeah. And someone left a comment saying, Anthony card-carrying subversive Jew, divide and ruling and destroying. Yours a black, white and Jew. By the way, all were one word, by the way, comma. No point in withholding your last name, last name being one word, when one looks so blatantly Jewish. Guess he does radio mostly. Now, um, I, I can't even begin to understand what that's all about, to be honest with you. 
so the, I, I think I start every show. Right. I'm Anthony Samroth. Yeah. You're Tom Laird. Yeah. So I don't think I'm withholding my next name. Yeah. But even suppose that last name, even supposing I was, how could I both be a card-carrying subversive Jew and trying to hide my identity? That sounds a bit far-fetched. Yeah, you think the last thing you do is carry a card about with you. Yeah. Right. Right. So I guess... Um, I mean, what, what does he want you to do? Wear a black hat and a kind of... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. So, so do the podcast like this. Like, <laughs> is, that what he, is that what he wants you to do? You can demonstrate your identity. I've got no idea what he actually... Where he's going with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and as I said, it's like it wasn't... I didn't consider a, a, a big part of my identity. I still probably don't. I consider being a libertarian more important to me than being Jewish. And in terms yeah. of... In terms of group identity, I probably find even being Scottish and British, well, I don't know, more, more something that I identify more with. Be, being Ouija, I like being Glaswegian for some reason, especially when I'm out of Glasgow and other parts of you're not a real Scotland. <laughs> Apparently not a real Glaswegian. So yeah, and there was other things that I didn't like before. It's like, you know, if you if you didn't the the it's not just that if you didn't support Israel, you was bad, but um, it was the the thought they didn't really give a they didn't give us an accurate account of history and things like that of Israel. Okay. And, and there's a lot of things I found out later that was like, well, I've blatantly been lied to, or yeah. maybe or maybe they didn't know themselves the truth of the matter. But the thing is, they don't care for the truth of the matter. Yeah. Broadly speaking, you're you're so so far more of a Israel support or yeah. I, I consider Israel to be the aggressor in the Middle East and um, we can discuss that another yeah, time that's not but, the purpose but, of this but the, show. The, the problem with that within the group is they don't really care about the reason and evidence surrounding the matter no it's automatic and I really really didn't like that okay because because you know if you were a judge and you can't just say, "Well, I'm going to let that criminal off because he's Jewish," or if you're, or or if you're, you're another ethnic mm. group because they're the same ethnic group as me. I didn't like the supposed, um, the the grounds on which that preference was chosen. Okay. It should be. I thought it should be based on justice, on whatever is just. Even if you come to the conclusion that Israel's in the right, that's fine. It should be based on reason and evidence, not based on a group affiliation. Okay. So th there are some of the problems that I had. Right. Um, now, the thing is, we can. I, I've been doing most of the talking. I just wonder if there's anything you want to add. Um, no, you're doing beautifully. Uh, I would, I would probably say. I mean, we started off by saying there's is anti-Semitism on, on the rise. Um, I was quite surprised uh, as a libertarian, you know, when I became a libertarian, and. I was surprised at some of the anti, the rabid anti-Israeli stuff I was reading on libertarian websites and comments from libertarians that I thought were spilling over into good old-fashioned Jew hatred. Okay. Right. Okay. And you know, it was there was. Don't get me wrong. Let's state categorically: it's obviously possible to be anti-Israeli or anti-Zionist. And even and yeah, and, and, yeah. and not anti-Semitic. Anti you know, right. there's plenty of Jews. There's plenty of ultra-orthodox Jews that are anti-Zionists because they believe only the Messiah should should, should uh, 
formula uh, should bring in the what's the word I'm looking for? Should he only he should do that? You know? So they, they disagree on in principle with the state of Israel. So you can disagree with the state. But of they're Israel. just self-hating Jews. Yeah, Acor according yeah, okay. to according to some Jewish critics. So okay, what? so it, it's perfectly possible. So I'm not. I don't automatically equate uh, anti-Zionism or people who are anti-Israeli with anti-Semitic. But there are. Uh, I've seen quite a lot of comments, uh, especially on libertarian sites recently, uh, that I would consider spilling over into just good old-fashioned Jew hatred. And that's not acceptable as far as I Well, it's except people can say what they like. Yeah. Um, but don't try and ma masquerade. Don't dress up uh, your, your, your kind of Jew hatred as a... As in, a in a politically correct... In, in, in some sort of political yeah. uh, dressing, you know? Right, and I should add, by the way, even though I think that um, Israel was the primary aggressor in the Middle East, I would not say that, I, I don't, I think there's as much of a problem with the Palestinian solidarity campaign uh, as mm. I did with the in-group preference amongst Jews, because that's evidenced by the fact they talk about boycott, divest, and, san divest and sanctions, mm. but they, they only talk about Israel. I mean, none, none of those people are calling for a boycott of Saudi Arabian oil or, no. do you know, it seems no. like I've got even normal think Norman Finkelstein, Jewish leftist, vocal critic of Israel, probably knows a little, probably knows more about Israel than any other living person since he's dedicated his whole Whole life to it. Um, he he even has a problem with the Palestinian solidarity campaign because they advocate a one-state solution, and he says, "Look, there's no there's no precedent anywhere yeah. for a one-state solution. The international consensus is in favor of the two-state solution, and they, they the only reason they they support a one-state solution is because they don't want Israel. Period." They just don't want yeah. Israel. Well, I would call the two-state solution and actually a three-state solution. But, or we can or, we can yeah. come back to that yeah. later. He was saying if you want to get progress, you need to go where the consensus says. And he he saw that movement as problematic, even though he's a very ardent critic of Israel. So there there is group prejudice on both sides. Now, what's that comment? Well, say? something that uh, I'm triggered says it uh, wasn't Tom and the BNP. No. Uh, I was never a member of the British National Party, uh, but I was uh, in my youth involved in an extreme right wing activity, uh, but I was never a member of the BNP. That wasn't one of the, the groups that I was involved with. Um, in fact, I was already, by the time the BNP came on the scene, really, I was already drifting out by that, that type of movement. So no, never a member of the BNP. Um, Carry on, sorry. Do you want to say something about well, I was just going to say the well, way that you saw Jews when you were... I will say about that in a minute, but while you were talking about um, the whole uh, boycott Israel thing, um, it seems to me that many of the... Well, I've talked about the good old-fashioned Jew hatred, but there's another strand of leftists, I think, whose main problem with Israel, as far as I can see, is that they equate Israel with America American and with West and with imperialism and with capitalism, and that's the real problem with Israel. Um, Which is ironic because Israel is a highly socialized country in many ways. 
Yeah, but I guess the foreign policy, I guess militarily, and the foreign policy is pretty hawkish, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, and they're just seen as America's creature. Satellites. Yeah. So, and I, and I think their their anti-Israeli sentiment is really uh, petty anti-Americanism. Okay. Uh, dressed up as a, you know, anti-Israeli. Uh, thought so uh, yeah but where was I going to go after you, uh, you asked yeah, me yeah your, your view on Jews when you were on the far right my view of well I wasn't particularly anti-semitic and well <laughs> I was as anti-semitic as, as you could as you could get on the on now what am I trying to say there I didn't have a burning uh, passionate hatred of, of Jews um, they were they were sort of a I didn't know any, you know, and I didn't really experience any, I didn't come across any. But my main problem was when I looked at uh, communism, for example, I thought, well, that's that's the creature. You know, Karl Marx was a Jew. For sure. Uh, uh, Trotsky was a Jew. Um, and I think even Lenin had was maybe half Jewish. Or, uh, yeah, I think, I think there was some Jewish blood. Or at least... That's what people on the extreme right would claim that he definitely had uh, Jewish blood in him, and that that was the basically the perception. And then everywhere I kind of looked, but then I was looking for it uh, was people involved in left wing politics who were Jewish intellectuals. Yeah, Noam Chomsky, Noam Chomsky is a good a good example. So it was like, you know, why? I, I could have easily looked around and found plenty of um, maybe. Uh, at the time, as you've mentioned, uh, my Rothbard was Jewish. I probably could have found libertarian Jews, but I was looking for left-wing Jews, you know, right. and I found them. Um, and then you say, "Well, what about uh, capitalists and plutocrats? They're not communists." You go, "Well, yeah, but they're they're still, you know, they're, they're just that that's as bad." You've got the you've got the Jewish communist in this hand, and you've got the the, the Jewish plutocrat on the other hand, right. and they're both of them in the same. That neither of them are committed to this ideology. The only ideology they're committed to is the destruction of uh, of um, white Christendom right. through their evil machinations. You know that right. this that plot, the yeah, their left wing plot uh, for uh, to to impose communism, and then their right wing plot with their, with their plutocrats and uh, ultra capitalists. Uh, it's all bollocks, of course. But um, so you weren't into free market or pure capitalism when you're a no, fascist no 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 not you, at all it was like was it ultimate state was it strong leader yeah yeah all that all that kind of jazz that's that's more what, what i lean towards oh i was collectivist in that sense when and, and that's it i mean my i basically said this to you before i allowed my abject hatred and loathing of communism uh to blind me to the collectivism and to the the problems of the extreme right, you know. Right. Uh, the, the the more left you go and the more right you go, the more common ground there is actually between the two. Their ideology is slightly different, but they're, they're both uh, collectivist um, and and you know sort of anti-liberal, really. Yeah. And I mean liberal in the classic sense. For sure. So. Yeah, that's very interesting everything you said now i wonder how much to do because i've noticed this before it's like 
I'm oh, sorry, I'm, I'm triggered as just said BDS movement is an anti is an anti Semitic movement. Maybe, I don't know. Okay. They definitely would deny it. They definitely right. would deny that they are, but I would say that they're prejudiced towards Well they kinda have to deny it. Yeah, I know. I'd say that the fact that they're they're not consistent. It's just like I I, I actually agree with uh, their position on the conflict. I think no well I don't know about that. But the thing is, why are they only interested in Israel? Yeah, that, That's the question. Yeah. Because I, I was against the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I, I'm willing to criticize yeah. any injustice going. So yeah. I don't see as, I don't see having problems or reservations with Israel as any different from that. Yeah. Uh, whereas I don't think, well, I guess while they're against those wars, I just yeah. don't feel like they're even-handed. No, well, you look at somebody on the left like Tariq Ali, Okay. Um, who was uh, has always been vocally anti-Israeli, yet he was strangely silent in the Soviet invasion of Hungary back in the day. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, so, so that's the kind of thing you can expect. I would just add, since we were talking about your background, yeah. like I noticed, we had quite different upbringings. Um, me being from maybe an upper middle class yeah. family, and you coming from a working class yeah. background, and I think. I think it seems to me from knowing you that identity politics was a stronger part of the potter's wheel in which you came up in. Because mm. I noticed you, you know, you would go, you know, this one's a Protestant yeah. and, you know, this one's a Catholic or you're a Jew, you know, or whereas in my upbringing, that wasn't really the done thing. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I guess if someone else brings it up, Right. It's okay, you know, you to talk about it, mm. but you wouldn't tend to identify people. You wouldn't and, out them. <laughs> yeah, it's not even outing them. It's just, I, I noticed that you, and it's just, it's no different here, you yeah. know, between football teams, yeah. Rangers, Celtic, or, you know, and Edinburgh's hearts and heads, isn't it? Yeah, it's not quite yeah. the same, but yeah, yeah get but, what you mean. But, but I think that exists a lot, the, the strong lines exist more mm. in working class families do you think that's true or not am i missing the boat no i think it, i think it may be more of an issue in, in working class families it's, it's possible but i mean I, I, you can't really put anti-semitism down to uh being more prevalent in working classes I don't no think i don't so. i'm not sure about that um but i, I mean I, I also grew up i mean i was i was raised in catholicism right um i never I never heard anybody in my family um, say anything that I would construe as anti-Semitic. Um, but there is a history of anti-Semitism of, uh, anti in Roman Catholicism. Right. You know, there is there is some of that. I mean, I, I believe uh, that the Warsaw Ghetto uh, was actually, I think the Catholic Church were behind that way before um, before the Nazis ever got involved, I know that when the, one of the nuncios of the of the Roman Catholic Church met with uh, met with Hitler, and uh, not met with Hitler, met with the, the representative of Hitler, you know, they said, uh, you know, we we your policies and our policies are pretty much in alignment. You know, we've been uh, we've had this kind of policy for centuries. Um, so yeah, it, and. I think in Germany as well, Lutheranism had a had a had a Martin Luther, of course, 
vehemently anti-Semitic as he got older. Uh, many of his writings against the Jews are a gigantic embarrassment to the Lutheran Church uh, to this day. Um, but that, that that was that was prevalent um, within Lutheranism as well. So yeah, th those two religions were an influence, I think, on on anti-Semitic uh, feeling. Hmm. Very very interesting. So let's talk about the pretext for this this. This uh, hatred and the and the alt right, at least, like you know, we were saying, just as we were saying, the BDS movement can't say they're anti-Semitic, yeah, or the even the extreme Zionists can't say they're anti-Arab. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, the in the same way, the alt right needs a pretext, and of course, we know that there was. We've mentioned it a lot of Jewish Marxism. Okay, so um, when when you say the alt right. What, because alt right is one of these words yeah. thrown around. You know, people libertarians get lumped in with the alt right sometimes. Yeah. Um, when you say alt right, who are you talking about? I'm talking about um, nationalistic. More, they're more nationalistic than libertarians. Yeah. They're they've a lot of them have got a strong uh, white in group preference. <laughs> you know, which we've we've discussed before. I think I said. It's one of the problems that I have with this identity politics is it's got something in common with socialism, which is socialism is you're entitled to something you haven't earned. And in this all right, it's like these sorry, I'm talking about the more extreme or white nationalist fringes. Um, so if you can hear that in the background, we've got a cat trying to disrupt. The I'm, show. Trying to, I'm trying to not <laughs> acknowledge the cat. Uh, the white basically those who believe in this white nationalism or white identity politics it's like they're they've even tried to tell me that because i i'm white i've got you know i've you should have a group affiliation to people along the the the, the racial lines and that's just the same as socialism because it's unearned i would rather choose my end so they say People naturally have in-group preferences. Mm. People are naturally tribal. Okay, that's true. But the great thing about the world, especially with the internet, is you can choose your tribe. And as far as I'm concerned, my tribe is uh, people who've done good for me or people that I care about or people who have got similar morals or political similar philosophy interests. to me, similar interests, libertarians. I, I've got much more affinity yeah. share with- Share a worldview. Share a worldview. I've got much more affinity with Walter Williams and Thomas Sowell, yeah. you know, black libertarian thinkers, than I do with uh, Jewish white Marxists because yeah. I think that their views are problematic. Mm -hmm. And if they spread, will send society down dangerous roads. Yeah. So I don't like the idea that your in group preferences unearned why should it be why should yeah. it, why should is that's just social that's just another form of socialism so or, or collectivism he's just, uh, he's just off to kill the cat oh. <laughs> as soon as i tried to let the cat and the cat went away so so okay it's obviously an anti-semitic cat <laughs> <laughs> the pretext is that Obviously, Jewish Bolshevism. Now, I've got some stats. Yeah, Jewism, as the, the Nazis used to <laughs> spell it. Yeah. On the evening of the February Revolution, of about 23,000 members of the Bolshevik Party 
364 were known ethnic Jews. So that, that's a pretty small percentage, um, over 1%, under 2%. Perhaps some of those Jews... Were, they, know, were they the influential well, that's ones? The, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the counter argument. Perhaps some of them, you know, those three, seven, 364 were more spearheading the movement. But, but that's certainly one account of whatever Jewish pernicious influence in Western culture. And there's this idea that after the Second World War, a bunch of Jewish intellectuals, or before the Second World War, fled Nazism and came to America and entered the American university system and started spreading socialism through the through the academic through academia. Yeah. But I think that there's more to it than that. I mean, academics are naturally inclined towards socialism because a lot of their money comes from the state. Yeah. The, 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 the academia fulfills the same role as the church fulfilled in monarchies, which is they, they provided the, um, the, the intellectual basis, mm. the, the, Oh, they, they did apologetics for state power. They they justified the rule of the monarchs. The academics are the the core intellectuals who justify the rule of the of the ruling class uh, with social contract theory and all all of their wacky ideas and justifications for the state. So, do or otherwise. Then, of course, we have the influence of the Frankfurt School, yeah. uh, cultural Marxism. I think almost for those who don't know. The, the Frankfurt School was a think tank in, in Germany before the Second World War. Most of them fled to America, yeah. uh, away from persecution from the Nazis, and they set it up in, as well. You know, one of the uh, uh, leaders, Theodor Adorno, uh, he was an ardent critic of capitalism uh, and, and uh, the Soviet Union as well. Uh, so that cat is seek highland like mad at the, at the window there. It's a little pest, but... <laughs> it's the first time I've ever had the show disrupted by a cat. And I think Anthony really is going to kill it this time. But... Uh... <laughs> it, 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 did you see it? It was actually given a Hitler salute at one point, that cat. It was doing that thing where the... Um... The <laughs> that's how enthusiastically right wing that cat was. It was actually doing it with both hands. You're, that reminds me of that site, the Kettler. The Kettler is we've got quite a lot of viewers at the moment, but okay. very but very few have ventured to comment. So if you've not contributed to anything to the discussion yet, feel free to do so. Yeah. Tell us how you feel about cats. <laughs> now, I guess um yeah, the the, the Frankfurt School, you you've Herbert Marcuse, he was Herbert Marcuse, he yeah. originated the idea, or probably someone else would have come up with it if he hadn't, but it was basically like free speech should be basically for left wingers, you know. But you know, yeah, anything... it was called it was called um repressive tolerance. Right. Which means that you must campaign and agitate for your views to be tolerated, but under no circumstances should you ever tolerate um, you know, the right any any yeah, views yeah. from the right or any speech right. from the right and uh, they they obviously believed that um whatever fascism was was the the, the big problem and uh, scary they, they did not appreciate the similarities of communism to fascism 
and um but here's the yeah. thing a question maybe you know i mean why didn't the frankfurt school when they buggered off from germany yeah. why didn't they go to russia right well i mean yeah they, they thought that would be the natural place for them to go well as far as i know they were ardent critics of um of the Russian regime as well. Okay. They saw themselves as anti-authoritarian. That's the right. that's certainly the irony when it comes to Herbert Marcuse. Uh, I know that Theodore Adorno, he when when they relocated, he went to Hollywood and he hated that he hated all the fake Hollywood culture and the and and he was like, uh, this is what capitalism produces. Okay. Um. He uh, so he didn't like that. Um. Uh. One of the, but they they saw themselves as anti-authoritarian. I think Adorno, um, along with someone else, produced a book called *The Authoritarian Personality*, in which they talked about what they thought um, formed that kind of personality. I think we'll swing round to them uh, in another show sure. when we've done a bit of research. Yeah, but well, there's a, there's a whole there's a whole uh, show to be done just on the Frankfurt. School, I would like I to do that. I'd like yeah. to do that. So we'll, we'll explore that in more detail, especially if there's some demand for it. Uh, yeah, if you're out there and you're, you're, you feel that you're an expert on the Frankfurt School, you could talk about it. Yeah, and please, get please come on the show. Um, I know a little bit about them because I studied Adorno when I was at university myself because he was uh, primarily wrote, um, on music and, and part of my degree was in music. So was, they're an interesting bunch. They, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about them, that they're behind the Zionist organization of government. I, and uh, they definitely have had some of their ideas have had an undue influence on culture in terms of political correctness, you know, with with, with certain views aren't allowed to be talk, talked about. Then I think the third wave of bad Jews, uh, uh, for, as far as I'm concerned, I might be missing a wave. Someone will have to, to fill me in on them. It's, of course, the neoconservatives, many of whom were formerly Democrats were formerly left-wingers who uh, accepted the America, the notion that America should be a policeman to the world, maybe partly, okay. maybe partly out of sympathy with Israel, maybe not entirely. And they joined the Republican Party. Many of them were um, Jews. Many of them, uh, Richard Perel, Paul Wolfowitz. Um, I don't think Francis Fukuyama is a Jewish name. Uh, I don't think so. I don't even know where he was from. Well, Henry I'm Kissinger, guessing Japan, somewhere along the line. But you know, a lot, a lot of people uh, in the neoconservative movement, of course, not the people who are actually in power. Your, um, your Bushes, Cheney, Rumsfeld. These guys weren't Jews, but certainly their cabinets were not short of Jews. David Frum, a lot of these people who I consider pretty bad warmongers uh, and behind the policy, the project for the new American century, you know, mm. the idea that America had to make the world safe for democracy. Okay, so these, so these, all of these influences are seen as a pretext for what I would consider Jew hatred on the alt right, but I think it's pretty hard to deny the influence of Jews in the philosophy of liberty. Okay. So, you, so if if these people are free marketeers, 
I know those the, the far the, the far right of the alt right don't consider themselves for free markets. They're against free trade, but they also maybe this goes all the way up to some of them believing in public education and, and even universal healthcare and mm. things like that. But there, wouldn't wouldn't you say that maybe um and I know you've you've got a lot of, you know names that you want to read out who would who would be uh, of Jewish origin and were very much for, for liberty and libertarian thought, but weren't they kind of late to the party? Uh, in terms of, or I, mean, I don't know, if you go back, who, who would you say was the father of libertarian thought? I mean, like all those guys that signed the uh, that signed the uh, created yes. the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's a good point. Um, uh, well, they were influenced strongly by John Locke, who wasn't a Jew, but yeah. um, David Ricardo, okay, uh, uh, one of the great free market economists, perhaps not as great as Adam Smith was Jewish, so, so the influence goes that far back. Okay, late to the party, that's a very interesting thing. You know, when we have Anne Rand, uh, Ludwig von Mises, Murray Rothbard, Milton Friedman and his son, uh, David Friedman and his son, Patrick yeah. Friedman, all ardent libertarians. Uh, um, Walter Block. Walter Block. Uh, Robert Nozick, who's actually quite important because he was the one in academia Okay. Uh, who gave, who was taken more seriously because he had a debate with John Rawls, or they wrote to each other, uh, John Rawls being one of the famous political philosophers of the 20th century. Um, so so his, his ideas were considered in academia. Uh, the chefs, and then you've got uh, John Stossel, who was on... Peter Schiff and, uh, yeah, John, John Stossel? Yeah, yeah, I checked out on Wikipedia. John Stossel's good drink. Jew. Uh, well, he's from a Jewish background, but that's okay. there returns the question: if you're from, never... if you're from a Jewish background and you'd reject Judaism, are you still a Jew? I would say so. Yeah. Okay, but I think there's a, there's a whole other uh, argument. There's a whole other argument to be had there. If you come from a Catholic background and you reject Catholicism, are you still a Catholic? I think there are some people who would say so. Uh, well. Put it this way, the Roman Catholic Church regards you as a Roman Catholic until it decides that you're no longer okay, a Roman Catholic. And, and Muslims say that every child is born a Muslim, so it's until you're baptised that you, you don't stop being a Muslim. That's, right. that's, their, that's what they believe. Right. Okay, but anybody, anybody can be a Muslim who just says... Uh, there is no God but Allah, and um, Muhammad is a prophet of Allah. Right. right. That, that, so that's, as soon that's as you, you say that, uh, then and you mean it, then then you're a Muslim. That's right. how easy it is to become a Muslim. Are you meant to say it in Arabic? No. Oh. Uh, you can say it in Chinese if you like. So I could convert to Islam right here. But see if I yeah. said that. See if I said there is no other God, Allah, and and um, Muhammad is his prophet, and I believed yeah. it right here. Would I stop being a Jew? Would I have converted to Islam, or would I just be a Jewish Muslim? A Jewslam. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, yeah, I, would you? No, yeah, I guess you'd still be. Because I mean, like being. Uh, see, this is where we've had this discussion before right. about Jews actually being a race as well as a religion, right? As well as a religious, right? Their right. faith. So I guess if you if you're a, a Jew that becomes a a, a Muslim, then yeah, you you if would be Judaism, a Jew. If yeah. Judaism is a race, yeah. now 
So, so we need some. Data I mean, when when Jews that. convert to, uh, when many of them convert to Christianity, they they, they call themselves Jewish believers. Oh, right. that's interesting. Yeah. Or Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews. Yeah, mm. as opposed to Christians. So there's so that that so that's I think that was a thing that I found distasteful growing up. You know, the 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 idea that it was something that was imposed upon me. Right. Um, I, I must have had individualist tendencies even as a, as a, a leftist, which I was at the time. Um, so he's all right now. He's, he's, all, right now. he's all right now. <laughs> so I guess uh, I just wanted to say that basically, it seems ridiculous to cry, uh, cry Jew, <laughs> like cry wolf. Um, if you're a free market orientated at all, given the influence of the Jew, of Jewish, of secular Jews in refining the philosophy of um, of libertarianism into okay. something that could be well argued for and exported to other people. Now, what is it amongst Jews that make them these kinds of thinkers that produce systems like Marx or Freud or Rothbard or Rand? Is it mm -hmm. is it is there something cultural? I'm putting this out to the people at home as well as to yeah. you. Is there something cultural about Jews that would lead them to those? Well, I guess. Well, I'm I'm, 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 I'm supposing that um, there's a heavy emphasis maybe uh, on uh, excelling. Or success, or in learning, and in learning. Uh, with with Jews, because I mean, let's you you're gonna have to, in a lot of societies where there was anti-Semitism and there was prejudice against Jewish people, you were gonna have to be a professional, really, to be able to rise above that and and mm -hmm. earn a, and earn a living. So whether right. that was uh, being a lawyer, or an accountant, or uh, you know, so something where you could actually earn earn a, a good living at. Yes, and th those who did rabbinical studies yeah. were very highly seen in, in the Jewish community going back in history, so they could learn. Um, that, that would involve a lot of learning, but I don't know if that's just rote learning. I mean, I it's, it's an interesting thing that, that you could fall either one, you know, you, could you can find the most anti-free market Jews and the most pro-free some of the most pro-free market thinkers in history are all Jews, uh, secular Jews, non-believers, but um, there must be something about the culture or the mi mindset that would lead them to be interested in these in these systems or creating systems or, or, or being philosophically minded. I don't know I don't know what that might be. Yeah, some of the things you you've you've hinted at. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that's right. I mean, it makes it kind of makes sense to uh, to me, you know, um, that there's a high there's a high value in that culture and learning and in education and in and the excelling, you know. Um, and back to the race question: If Judaism is if if there is a confluence of genetics around being Jewish, then that's something that's been observed throughout quite a long period of history. And uh, might prejudice the whole. I don't know how much of it might be genetic, basically, of what I'm saying. Right. So, uh, do we have any more comments? Well, Jack Ashton says culturally Catholic and Jewish are kind of independent from being religiously Catholic and Jewish. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know. 
I know a lot of people who would identify, I suppose, as, as Roman Catholic, but they couldn't tell you the first thing about, uh, and these are not people who attend chapel uh, at all, never mind regularly. Um, some of them may even regard themselves as being agnostic, mm. but they'll still describe themselves as a Catholic. And what they mean by that, they're culturally, you know, they, they, they maybe they support Glasgow Celtic and kind of uh, maybe they identify more, maybe it's more about what they're not than what right. they are. You know, it's like, well, I'm not a Protestant. You know, so I'm a Catholic, but I don't really believe in God. You know, there's, there's people who say and that. Then you even get, um, you know, people like Richard Dawkins who says, I'm a cultural Christian. Not to be confused with a cultural Marxist, by the way. He says, even though he's an atheist, an ardent yeah. atheist, he, he, he identifies as a cultural Christian. Okay. So he's basically what he's saying is that cultural Christianity has made its mark on a society mm. that has created maybe an enlightenment. Mm. Um, not created in light, but certainly part of it. Certainly didn't uh, prevent it, for, right. or stop preventing it at some point. Right, okay. Uh, anymore? I uh, think it was in, oh yeah, there's... Thomas Sell talks about how even when Jews were poor in America, they took out far more books from libraries than their peers. Mm. Uh, Interesting. And he thinks he read that in the book called Black Rednecks and White Liberals by uh, Thomas Sell, which is an interesting book. He makes some interesting uh, claims and ideas in that book. It's worth reading. Uh, in fact, any Thomas Sell is, is, is worth reading. Do you have anything to add? Um... Other than uh, I would just like to categorically say that, you know, uh, hatred of any sort of group uh, or any person based on what group they belong to is insanity, really. So, um, and I think that, yeah, well, actually, I wanted to touch on the protocols. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Uh, for those of you who don't know, when I say the protocols, there's a, there's a book uh, called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, which Hitler subscribed to, and many anti-Semites subscribed to. Uh, it's it's been proven repeatedly that this book was a giant forgery. Uh, the it was basically the secret police, the czarist secret secret police, who had this uh, this book made in order to turn the czar uh, against. For their own anti-Semitic reasons, uh, turn the Tsar against the Jews in Russia and kick them out. And they, they produced this book that purported to plot, make you know, the, this plot uh, by Jews to uh, to infiltrate and destroy uh, civilization and uh, and benefit themselves. Um, it, it, as I say, it was it's been proven to be a, a forgery. But two things, it, it's still prolific. You'll find, I mean, the Arab world, it's still uh, pretty much uh, prolific. You can find it in bookshops in Arab countries. Uh, they give it credence. Um, what, does the, what does the protocols of El the elders of Zion essentially assert? Well, it says there was a, a, a meeting. Uh, it's a conspiracy of intellectual, wealthy Jews um, to tear down Christendom, really, right. and create and, and make the Jews the masters of the of the world. That's that's basically what what it what it's what it comes down to. 
Um, it was plagi most of it is plagiarized from a book called The Dialogues in Hell between Machiavelli and somebody else. I can't remember who the author of that book was, but you can pretty much take passage by passage uh, stuff from the protocols and the dialogues in hell side by side. You can see it's, it's pretty much plagiarized uh, from that book. I mean, a lot of people on the right will say, well, yeah, you know, we know that the, the, the protocols, the, the book itself, we know that that's a forgery. But it's the kind of thing that the Jews are up to anyway. You know, there's truth in it. You know, there's right. an element of truth in it. There's a lot of people on the right who say that. Right. I never ever, I never ever gave them uh, any credence. Um, but it's like everything else. It's like, um, you know, as long as we, we know it's a lie, but it's a useful lie. Right. So therefore, as long as people right. believe it and it helps our cause. Right. Uh, that old one. Yeah. I think David Ike, um was kind of flirting with it at one time. Mm. I think he, I think he, I think he came around to the the idea that it is a that it is a forgery. But he was, uh, he was kind of touting it at one point in his career. See, that's but, but that thing that you say, sort yeah, um, of about the it's a lie, but it's it's a useful lie. It's a useful lie. See, that's the kind of thing I found very prevalent in Zionism, right, uh, amongst Jews, especially older it was like it wasn't that it was a lie it was like they they the information they didn't really mind if it, how factual or unfactual it was and, and they wouldn't be remiss to share a newspaper story or email it around to everyone without fact checking it it okay. could have been a, if it painted their side in a good light okay and I, i'm sure it's absolutely rife amongst marxists feminists there was one i heard of recently was um from from a ex-communist friend of mine that one of the things that turned him was there was uh, some book that came out describing what it was like under the bolsheviks or right. not um and uh, a famous left-wing communist was was saying you know this because the book was written by a leftist he said this book shouldn't have been put out he shouldn't put this book out why it harms the cause you know right. it doesn't matter if it's true or not it harms the cause right i think really we should all be careful to look for that kind of thinking to monitor for that kind of thinking in our own heads and see if there's anything that we're clearly i was not as engaging as speaker as you were so did you have another point no that's all i just wanted to make that point that the protocols are pretty much it's it's you know it, it's documented that this thing is a forgery and yet people still buy it still rears its ugly head uh uh, I'm not saying it should be a banned book, but people should just be aware that it's that it is a forgery, and it was created for the very reason of turning the, the Tsar against the Jews and, and kicking them out of Russia, and it, it just keeps it just keeps rearing its head, and it's as prolific in the Arab world, and uh, many Muslims buy into it. Um, so yeah, watch out for it, uh, and just be aware that it is trash. Um, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the gate crash of comments. Until next week. Yeah, uh, look, thanks for, for tuning in. If you feel like sharing this, please do. Yeah, uh, share it. Yeah, share <laughs> it. Uh, and thank and see you again next time. Goodbye.